0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. All right, so let's pray. We're going to jump in, see what God has for us, and we'll hit the ground running. Uh, Lord, we would ask that you would come with your spirit and you would uh, awaken our soul if it's needed and that you would wake us if uh, there's an area in our lives that needs to be shaken and that you would do that. I pray that you would bring encouragement and bring hope and that you would fill us with your life. I pray that you would uh, fill us with the hope of a future that you have for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you would be to each of us that which is needed right now. Pray for those who might be discouraged that you would meet with them in this place and that even now they would feel the presence of God upon them. That they would be surrounded, blanketed by comfort and hope that surpasses their circumstances. Speak to us through your word, enlighten us, put our feet on the path that is best for us, and our reply to you will be yes, we will go where you send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, you are on the ground floor of a new series that we're starting called Stronger uh, together. Now that is also inside of your bulletin, that artwork that I just talked about. And someone approached me last week and said, uh, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but Stronger Together is the theme of Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign, which I did not know. And I know that some of you are like, I knew it, I knew it. And so just to appease all sides, we came up with this new slide. Go to that next one. Stronger Together, make the church great again. So now both of you should be happy wherever... I don't know what Johnson's uh, thing is. Well, I do, actually. We're not even going on that one. So forget it. So uh, we're starting a new uh, series uh, called Stronger Together. And I want us to talk about the people that we surround ourselves with. Because if we get this right, it has the potential to be life-changing. The people that we surround ourselves with set us up for success, really, in every area Of life that matters. Now, the flip side is also true that if we surround ourselves with the wrong people, we open ourselves up for uh, pain and trials and struggles and even the possibility, the potential of destruction. Think back to a season in your life when you surrounded yourself with the wrong people or even the wrong person. Chances are that it was a detriment, it was harmful to your well being. Someone once said that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Maybe it was your mama that said that. Maybe not in those words, but she, she knew something that, that, that if you show me your friends, show me the people that you spend most of your time with, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. Solomon, one of the wisest men, uh, wrote this in, in Proverbs. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools suffer harm. Now, this truth that Solomon says that, that whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is a truth that is not bound by age nor experience. In other words, the, the power and the truth of this passage applies to you as much today in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s as it did when you were in your teens. Today, surround yourself with those who are wiser than you, those who are smarter than you, those who have better marriages than you, those who might be better with money than you or better servants than you, or maybe they're more generous, and you will begin to drift their direction. You will move uh, their way, rise to their level. On the other side of that is true, too, that if you surround yourself with a company of fools, you will drift their direction as well. I like how uh, the message puts this same passage. We'll put that on the screen. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. And there's truth in that. Hang out with fools and you will watch your life begin to fall apart. In whatever circumstance or whatever community you're a part of today, that community either has made you stronger or has made you weaker. You are either stronger together or you are falling apart together. Let me give a challenge to you. In your mind, I want you to think of your five closest friends or the five people that you spend the most time with. just want you to take a moment. In your mind's eye, I want you to think of your five closest friends. Don't think of your spouse; that doesn't ta- that doesn't count. Your dog doesn't count. Your cat is not your friend; it's just waiting for the right moment to eat you. All right, that doesn't does not count. No imaginary friends, especially the ones that you see in the mirror. That's a whole other problem that we can take care of on another level. I want you to think of your five closest friends or the five people that you spend most of your time with. Here's what's interesting: sociologists and leadership experts say this that you will become the average of your five closest friends. Now, think back through those five people. You will become the average of the five people that you spend most of your time with. In almost every area of life, you will land somewhere in the middle. Now, take a moment again. Think through those five friends. Because if you're going to become the average of those five people, you should know what you're going to become. How is their marriage? How is their morality? How is their generosity? Are they pursuers of God? What is their work ethic like? Are they serving someone, something other than themselves? Do they inspire you to greatness? So do you want to become like the five people that you just brought up in your mind? In whatever community you're a part of, you are either stronger together or you are falling apart together. Here's another question. How many of you had a difficult time even coming up? You don't have to raise your hand, had a difficult time even coming up with five names. Most of you did. Most of you, is like five names. It's like, and, and, and you struggled with that. And, and, and it's interesting because the American Sociological Review says the average uh, in America today, the average person only has two close friends. And so when I asked you to name five, you probably came up with two quickly and the rest were kind of a stretch. I'm like, well, I guess I'll throw that person in there because he asked me to come up with five. But you probably hit two quickly and the rest were probably a stretch for you, which may not seem alarming until you go back 50 years ago and the average American had almost six close friends that surrounded them. Even more alarming is that 25% of Americans say they do not even have a single close friend that they have surrounding them. As a society, we are becoming increasingly more disconnected from community. Sociologists talk about uh, different forms of poverty. One of the forms of poverty that we all are aware of is material poverty. It uh, impacts uh, those who have, uh, the, lack the basic needs to function in life. But then there's also uh, motivational poverty. It's a state of hopelessness that engulfs those who have no adequate way or means or the confidence to tackle tomorrow's challenges. There's spiritual poverty, those who uh, live without any eternal hope. And then there is a poverty that most of us function in, and it is often neglected and not even caught, and that is relational poverty, where we are disengaging from society, disengaging with that, uh, or it encompasses uh, those who focus on themselves uh, at the expense of the community that they are a part of. And if we look at why that might be, why do we have this thing called relational poverty? I think there's numerous reasons. I think one is increased mobility. The average American now is moving once every five years. If you're younger, in your 20s, 30s, you're moving once every three years. You're moving even uh, on on a a more rapid clip. I think another one is increased work hours. I think we're exhausted. The 40-hour work week is a thing of the past. Most who are interviewed and questioned about their hours of work that are salaried employees say well over 50 hours. You add to that that now most families are dual income and families are exhausted. It's causing uh, a relational void in their lives because we are simply exhausted. I think another reason is as a society, we are easily offended today. Matter of fact, I think that we have uh, possibly become the most whiny, sensitive, thin-skinned, easily offended society in the history of the world. I think we have been. We have become masters of picking up an offense. Some of us live our entire lives looking for an offense to pick up and claim as our own. We've developed such dexterity with which we are, can be offended that we can juggle eight, nine, ten offenses all at the same time. We can drop one to quickly pick up another one. Uh, uh, two years ago, there was this... Um, uh, as, a, uh, as a country, we were, we were up in arms over it. There was... Um, Uh, we were all, what was it? We were all, oh, you don't remember? Neither does anyone else. Right? But we were up, we were ready to go to war and I'm going to boycott. I'm going to pick it. I'm, I'm never eating that. I'm I'm going to drink milk again, whatever it was. We're so quick to pick up an offense and then we don't even remember what it was six months later because we've, we've, as a society, we are so easily offended We're so quick to cut ties and destroy relationships because we no longer know how to work through conflict and still love one another. We have uh, stopped uh, with, uh, we no longer understand and know how to have uh, differing opinions and still hold one another in high regard. The, The people that I have the most respect for are those who I may differ with and yet it does not affect our friendship. That we can have unity and not have uniformity. That, that within the body of Christ that there are a wide variety of backgrounds, a wide variety of opinions. And that should not hinder our relationship or our community. But in our culture today we are so quick to be offended. We've located the perpetual fountain of indignation and we just guzzle from it daily. And I think it's affected how we view and how we embrace this idea of relationships and community. We have uh, uh, this uh, idea that community should cater primarily to me, and in moments of tension, and if it's not about my needs, then we cut and run from community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian and pastor, in his book Life Together says this, that those who love their dream of Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that community. Let that just settle on you because that's packed. Those who love their dream of Christian community more than they love Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Here's what he's saying. If you're in love with your idea or your ideals of what a relationship or what a community should look like, which usually means it's all about me, If you're in love with your dream of community more than community itself, you are destroying community. And in no other place do we see this destruction more possibly than in the local church. Do you know why people leave churches over minute and stupid things? Because we're in love with this warped dream of community that you should agree with me on everything more than we are in love with the community itself. And there's a problem in that. If you're in love with the community that only agrees with you, this warped dream of what the community should look like, then you are actually damaging and hurting and destroying the community itself. Because we can and should be able to have a wide variety of backgrounds, different opinions, and it still not affect the community at large. I think the the last area that has affected our behavioral poverty, by the way, today's message is just a really long introduction, so uh, just go with me on it, and we'll jump into some meat in the weeks to come, uh, some scripture examples and things like that. Uh, The last one, I think, is technology. And if I could, let me take you back some 75 years when life was slower and life had different values. And life revolved around the front porch, a, a, a time when, when people would actually sit on their front porch, partially because it was cooler uh, outside than it was inside, and they would sit on the front porch, and there would be a natural community that would take place, and, and their people did life together, and they, uh, there was a mutual dependence that took place, and they sat on their rocking chairs on the front porch, sipping lemonade and playing checkers, and whittling Dull sticks into sharp sticks, or what? I don't know what they did, but you know there there was there was this there was this community that that took place. And after dinner, they'd sit on the front porch in the moonlight, and they'd play guitar and they'd sing songs with Andy and Barney, <laughs> Opie, and Aunt B. I never liked Aunt B. There was something about her voice. Or, Andy it just kind of grated on me. And even as a kid, I remember thinking, When is she going to die? I'm sorry to say that, but I did. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I wasn't always a Christian. I was like, when is she written off? I did not like. There was this mutual togetherness that took place. For the most part, there was this laid back community. And then one day while sitting on the porch sipping lemonade, someone pulled this large box out of their car. It said Sears Roebuck on it. And, and, and they brought it inside. And everyone was in awe because it was a, what they called it a man-made weather machine that would blow cold air in whatever room it was placed and, and people were in awe because suddenly it was cooler inside of the house than it was outside of the house. And, and, and the front porch became a thing of the past as people began to gather inside where it was cooler. Now those who study, study the trends of society and culture, they would say that this was part of the tearing of the fabric of community that we knew as a culture. But all was not lost because uh, community was still taking place inside of the house and um, you would gather together uh, for entertainment, and you'd play cards, or you would play various games, or uh, it would just move from the front porch inside. But, but then someone pulled another big box out of their car, said so "Here's Roebuck, and it was a, a box that played moving pictures. It was a television that was not very popular at first, and uh, as a matter of fact, in 1936, there was 200 televisions uh, across the entire states, and in 1945, there were less than 7,000. There were only nine stations Uh, Which, if you're a channel channel surfer, that's like a level of hell. Only nine stations. You're like, and you loop back through it, and and and. But with time, uh, quickly, it kind of exploded where there was a television in every home, and soon, soon, we began to think that I don't need my neighbor for entertainment. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure I like my neighbor. And so now we sat in our house with our air conditioners blowing and our TVs glowing, and we began to tear away, to pull away from the fabric of society, began to pull away from community. But all was not lost, because to park your car in a garage that was detached from your home, you had to get out of the car, you had to open the garage, you had to pull it in, you had to get out, shut the garage, and then you would see your neighbor, and you would talk, and you would exchange pleasantries, and you'd ask about their son, and you know, how's your job, and there would still be this communication, and then someone had the idea. Wouldn't it be amazing if we actually took the garage and attached it to the house so you don't have to leave the garage to get in the house? And then someone came up with this little thing on your, on your, your visor that when you push the button, the garage door opens and now you don't have to get out of your car to open your garage door. And with some practice... Based on the speed of your garage door motor and the speed of your car, you can press it at just the right moment so the garage door opens just enough for your car to slide in, pressing it again at the right time when your bumper clears that it would shut and seal you in. And you have to see no one. And you know you can do it. And it's part of this tearing of our fabric of society. And then... Someone said, "Well, you know what I need is—is—is is, is I need a fence in my backyard because I need to define what is mine." And so there would be this little three-foot wire fence. And someone said, "Not good enough." So what I need is a six-foot wooden fence. And then someone said, "How about a block fence?" And then someone said, "You know what would be better than just putting a fence around my backyard would be putting a fence around my entire neighborhood with a big gate to keep other people out and keep me in. And there would be a five-digit code that only I would know to get into said community, and everyone else would have to stay out. And when they want to see me they'll have to call me on my phone which means you have to answer your phone or does it because now it can appear on your television or wherever else you want it and this tearing of the fabric of society began to happen and now most of our communication happens through thumbs and if we go out to dinner you should know that i'm attached to a machine that keeps me alive it's called my cell phone and you're attached to the same piece of equipment and this has been the slow drift of community within our culture and it has found its way into the church. And so now we have uh, those who are struggling with some of the uh, most uh, uh, the most sincere and deepest questions of life, struggling with faith, and they go through it alone because community has largely been lost. It's interesting, though, if you look at the biblical context of life, uh, there's a different standard than what we're experiencing today. Even in the beginning, with the first human, God said, It's not good for you to be alone, that there needs to be someone else around you. And we read what Solomon has to say in his wisdom in Ecclesiastes. He says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man, woman, who falls and has no one to help him. Now this is a sad state of the church, including our church, that there are people within our church that if they fall, there is no one to help them. And it's not because there's not people who are willing to help them, but it's because we have isolated ourselves from a community and we are an island unto ourselves verse 11 also if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one keep warm alone though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves and then it says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken he says look two is good but three is even better and throughout the biblical text we see these verses that surround around one another it says be devoted to one another, meaning the person next to you, be devoted to them, and they should be devoted to you. Honor one another and live in harmony of one another, and accept one another and serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Admonish one another, encourage and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Offer hospitality to one another over and over again. In biblical text, it says that life should not be an island but that there should be a mutual serving, a community that should be taking place. Let me talk about what's known as the Johari window. It came out in 1955 by its founders and it was uh, developed to discuss various aspects of self-awareness. I'll go through this with you if you put up that first slide. Uh, the, The Johari window is broken into four different quadrants and You'll see off to the left, it's things that are known to others, things that are not known to others, and at the top, there are things that you know about yourself, and there's things that you don't know about yourself. In that first area, it's what's known as the open arena. It's things that I know and you know. It's things that uh, there's no, nothing hidden there, that, that it, it is your public self. It is uh, what what you know about me, what I know about you. There is just uh, open information that is shared, but this is not a complete picture of who you are. And for some people, it's not even the real picture of who you are. The second category there is known as hidden. This is, I know, but other people do not know. That there are things about my life that's not my public life. There are things that, in our lives that are hidden that, that I don't want you to know and that I will keep out of the light of day. They may be bad habits, sin, things we're not proud to admit, uh, uh, things that, that we don't want other people to, to even have an understanding of. It is our hidden self. And then in the upper right is what's known as our blind arena. There are things that I don't know about myself, but you know. It's a blind spot that I don't see it, but everybody around me can see it, but I'm totally oblivious to to what you see. It might be a character flaw. I could be headed towards destruction. Maybe there's an activity that's not healthy and all of my friends can see it, but I'm blind to it. And then the bottom right is what's known as the unknown arena of life. It is also known as the area of potential. It's I don't know what it is, you don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. These are the things that God is constantly developing in us. Now, I share this with you on a talk of community because the goal of the Johari window is to enlarge the open arena of our lives. And in other words, I have enough people that I trust that are surrounding me that there are things that I know and you know them well because we are doing life together. And I, I, I don't have anything that, that I'm having to hide from you because, because we, we've come to an agreement. There's a mutual trust, a mutual respect, a mutual love. And that, that arena begins to expand, covering up your blind spots and your hidden, your hidden areas. Even the unknown becomes revealed as people are sowing into your life. Any relationship that's growing Your open arena should be expanding in every direction, covering, minimizing the hidden and the blind areas that they would become smaller. Listen to what Proverbs says. He says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. So who is it that you have in your life who is able to speak truth that your open arena is expanding, that you have people surrounding you that you're doing life with in such a way that it is expanding. Hidden areas are being minimized. Blind spots are being minimized. Who have you surrounded yourself with in order to enlarge your open window? Because if this next image is how your life looks right now, that's a problem. If, if this represents you, that there are things that, that, that nobody knows about look, not everybody needs to know everything about your life, but there are people that have to be close enough to you that, that somebody needs to know. Matter of fact, listen, listen. if there is something in your life that only you know about, you are not safe. If there is something in your life that only you know about, you are in trouble. Because this quadrant, this, this arena, this hidden area, it shrinks and is, in, and is minimized in two ways. Through self-disclosure or through exposure. Either I tell you or I get caught. Getting caught, far worse. The only way this hidden area shrinks is that you have people around you that you can, that you can disclose or eventually it will be exposed. And we all know the stories, maybe it's in your life, maybe it's in a friend's life, of something that came out, wife found out, husband found out, children found out, friends found out, your boss found out. The only way that this is minimized is self-disclosure or exposure. If this next image, if this is your life, that's a problem as well things that you don't know but everybody around you can see, but there's nobody who's close enough to you to actually speak truth into your life, that is a problem. And this is what happens when community is torn. There's nobody that we can share the hidden arenas of our life with. There's nobody that we invite in to speak into our blind spots because we're just held up in our home or it's all through a digital device and and there's no face-to-face. Listen again to what Proverbs says. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Hey, who's sharpening you in your life today? Who's making you a better person? Who are you stronger together with? And if you can't name anyone, you're not experiencing the community that God has designed us, created us to experience. You are not the person that God wants to move you into being. Iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Here's why we're on this series for community. Because this month, uh, or the next three weeks, we promote all of our regroups or our community groups. What I found when I look over the landscape of our church There's probably about 55% of us who are actively engaged in community with people. That there are people in your life that you trust, they trust you, you're sowing into their lives, they are sowing into your lives. If something goes wrong, these are people that you can call, you can count on them. There's probably 55%. These are the core of the church. And then there's about 15% of those who are moving towards that direction. They're they're finding new community, they're finding new friends. It may not be like the church that they had back in another state, but, but, but they're growing and they're engaging in community. And then the rest, 35%, whatever that is, are just people on the fringe. Now, if you're new here, that's acceptable. But there are some who have been on the fringe for 12, 18, 24 months. And what eventually will happen is life is going to come against you in a way that you're going to fall figuratively and there will be no one there to pick you up and it's not because nobody wants to pick you up but it's because you have isolated yourself you've remained on the fringe of community and one day when it happens to you no one will be there to support you and so i'm coming to you encouraging you to take a step to take a challenge to check out a community group in September when they fire up, knowing that it is an uphill struggle because what you're fighting against is your schedule. And what you're fighting against is maybe you just moved and you don't know a lot of people and, and, and you're fighting against uh, exhaustion and you're fighting against being burned by uh, some people who claim to be Christians in the past. and I get all of that. But I'm challenging you to check out one of our groups and see what is a fit for you. What do those groups look like? Well, we have um, a young adult group that uh, Morgan Hoff and Cruz Ruiz are leading. If you're 17 to 25, 26, uh, you need to be at that, at that young adult group. Uh, Kip and Becky Pole, they are uh, somewhat new to... What was that applause for? Was that you guys? Kip, Kip and Becky Pulley, they're, they're, they're rather new to our church, not super new, but uh, they're leading a group. Fantastic people. Kip was up here drumming today. Fantastic people. There's a great opportunity for you to get in on a group, and they'll let you bring their kids and destroy their house. They don't care. Maybe that last part was an, ex- uh, you know, an exaggeration, but you, you can bring children to it. Um, Kelly Price came to me about three weeks ago and said, hey, I, I'd like to do a group. Uh, Because I'm I'm looking for ways to take hobbies or things that I'm interested in and to figure out how I can create a business out of it. And do you think people would be interested in having some people that can encourage them and bounce ideas off of one another and how to take things that I'm interested in and we can all, you know, maybe make a side business out of it? It's a great idea. So Kelly Price, she has good material as well. Maybe that's something that uh, interests you. Liz, Elizabeth Hummel, Liz Hummel, she's doing a photography group. If photography interests you, there's an opportunity for you. Uh, the Gromers are doing a financial peace university. There's an opportunity for you to get your finances under control. Now, this group costs $99. That doesn't go to us. That goes to the financial peace for all the information. But uh, if cost is something that keeps you out of that group, then come and talk to us. We'll figure out something for you. Um, the, uh, Scott and Vandana Young are doing a, a Bible study called Crash the Chatterbox. Uh, fantastic people. You need to get involved in a group. Patrick and uh, Denise Lederbrand, they've been here forever. They're doing uh, a marriage group. There's an opportunity for you to sow into your marriage. The Qureshi's doing a marriage group. It's an opportunity for you to sow into your marriage. And then there's all other types. Mike and Audrey Dink, one of our pastors, he's doing a parenting group. And If you need help in parenting, there's a group for you. The the Wilsons are doing just a game group that meets once a month. You bring your family and you just play games together. Opportunity to make some community. Jeannie Wills does our uh, sports uh, team. She was here last uh, service and I gave her a hard time because we have not won a trophy in softball since I quit playing. (laughs) There might be something there. Uh, But hey, if you're a ringer, we need another trophy at this year. I don't think we've won one in two and a half years. So, you know, there's an opportunity for you. Or we got soccer teams as well, two soccer teams. You can play uh, on a soccer team. Uh, Ellen Baker Melissa Sellers are doing uh, a women's Bible study. There's an opportunity for you. Shauna uh, Faulkner has a fellowship for moms. Bring your children. There's an opportunity for you. Uh, we have uh, Beth Stockton uh, is a member here who uh, wrote her own book and came up with a curriculum and a study guide for it. And, and she's going to be sharing that. There's an opportunity for you to get involved with something that was actually created from within Reveal. There's an opportunity for you ladies to get involved in something. My wife is doing a, a book study as well, an opportunity for you. And then Connie Hergert, Marilyn Ransberger, does a sewing group. Ladies, for you, uh, there's, a, there's a, a seasoned women's luncheon that takes place. There, John Oldfield does a men's Bible study on Mondays. There's uh, Philip Wilson does basketball on Saturdays. I'm leading a group uh, on leadership, if you want to expand your understanding of what leadership is, of what God may have for you in the future, of what that looks like, what that feels like, then come to my group. But look, it's going to take a challenge, you challenging yourself, to step out of a comfort zone to begin to build community. Here's what I know, that we as a church are stronger together than we are apart. And so I'm challenging you that you would be strong with us. We have a new season. This building goes through. It's a new season for our church. What I am pushing for, if you haven't noticed, in the last three months is preparing us for this season to have a solid core that when we go into this space with all the new people that come, we can just bring them in and say welcome. We can't do that with our current community that we have now. We can't do it with our current volunteers we have now we won't have enough people. And so I'm asking you to challenge yourself to see what God might have for you in this area of community. Because the community you're in, you are either stronger together or you are falling apart together. Uh, There are signups, uh, some forms out in the lobby there if you're interested sign up for a group let us know where you want to come don't you know, leave without signing up or you can sign up online and we'll get the information and we'll contact you and, and, and uh, confirm that with you pray with me let's just take a moment and allow God to speak as we wrap this up so Lord would you speak above my words and would you stir in us exactly what is needed And would you challenge us on this open arena of our lives? Who do we have that surround us? And for some of us, we need to take a step to begin to expand that arena. For some of us, we need to take that step that our hidden arena of life would begin to shrink. Our blind spots would begin to shrink. And so I'm asking that you would reveal to us our need for community and for support, to give it and to receive it. Would you challenge us about stepping out of our comfort zone to find a community that works for us? Challenge us to those here that's supposed to, that they should start a new group, That they should start a group of their own. Challenge us to have all types of opportunity to serve into our community or serve single mothers or whatever it might look like, Bible studies and uh, uh, interest groups and whatever that might mean, that that we would be more than a Sunday-only church, that we would move from rows to circles where we do life together. I pray that blessing upon you reveal that you would experience God's best for you in every arena of your life. I pray the Holy Spirit to speak over you, to speak to you, and to lead and to guide you this week in ways that are supernatural. I pray that you would experience the love and the goodness of God in a way that you have never experienced and for some maybe experience it for the first time. I pray that you would experience hope that rises above your circumstances. I pray that you would experience love and you would experience friendship and acceptance Beyond even what you deserve, I pray that you would give love and community and acceptance beyond what others might deserve. I pray a blessing over you to step into all that God would have for you, all that God would have for your marriage, that He would have for your family that he would have for you in your relationships, whether you're married or single, that you would step into all that God has for you in your schooling, that you would step into all that God has prepared for you. I bless you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Hey, God bless you. If you'd like prayer, we'll have some people down here who'd love to pray for you. Don't forget to check out our groups. Please pick up one of these. Sign up in the lobby. Sign up online. Uh, invite someone back. We've got some good stories to tell you next week about people who found community. Uh, it'll be a good uh, next two weeks. So I look forward to seeing you guys. Bless you.